we're so happy that you're here with us on Gen Z's Guide to Politics. We're happy to have you. I'm Pauline Costin, and I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Rachel, and I'm also a co-host here. Today, we're going to talk all about the filibuster, the history behind it, why it exists, and why it needs to go. Yes, and there is a lot to talk about here. Um, So before we get into the filibuster and whether it's filibusted or not, (laughs) sorry, I'll leave. Um, (laughs) um, We are going to talk about some like fun pop culture news. Um, I heard that Daniel Rad, and I have to talk about this. I feel like I have to bring this up. I heard that Daniel Radcliffe just agreed to take the role of Weird Al Yankovic. There's going to be like a Weird Al Yankovic biopic, apparently. He's always like taking the weirdest like roles. And I think it's because like Harry Potter as a young child gave him so much like, like just like learning experience that, and now he's just like, I will take whatever roles speak to my soul. (laughs) And it, it, that Weird Al Yankovic just speaks to his soul. Truly, (laughs) truly magic, magic Weird Al, right? (laughs) We totally need to double back on that though. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm like excited to see it you know because I'm like oh this is undoubtedly going to be a revolutionary performance of Weird Al Yankovic but it's funny I actually have a really interesting story about meeting Daniel Radcliffe that's like you met Daniel Radcliffe the legend I met Daniel Radcliffe I met Harry Potter did you meet um what is her name she's like she played Hermione what was her name oh Emma Watson did you meet her I or no is it Emma Watson I think it's Emma Watson yes yeah the other yeah it is Emma Watson yeah I'm thinking of like I'm like is it Emma Stone no that's the other other Emma but I met him actually because uh my freshman year of school Mm -hmm. like I went to school in New York City so being a theater major and going to a school that was like predominantly theater majors for the most part or like performance majors we got a lot of like free tickets to go see stuff. And there was a lot of um, professors and everything who like worked on sets, like on Broadway or like off Broadway. And so like they would have extra tickets or be like, Hey, you know, I'm working on the show. Like you can come see it or whatever. So um, two of my roommates were in a writing class and their professor was working on the Broadway play called lifespan of a fact I didn't get to see it. I really wanted to see it, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately I did not get to. (laughs) Um, But they had gone to see the show. And then later that night, they have this thing called stage dooring and stuff at theaters. And so like um, on Broadway specifically, Mm -hmm. they do it a lot um, where after the show, you can like go to kind of the, the metal barricades, like behind the stage and you can go and meet the actors and talk to them or have them sign your playbill and so Daniel Radcliffe was going to be in this, this show and he was in the show and everything. So we went that night and we just went to the stage door and they brought their playbills to be like, oh, like we went, we went. Um, but we went with, I think, those two roommates and then another roommate went with us, too. So there was four of us. And um, that's so cool, though. Yeah, we were like waiting at the stage door and um, we got to like get a picture with him and like. It was kind of crazy, like, because mm-hmm. there was, like, a, there there was actually funny story, another funny part of the story. There was this old guy who was there who was, like, really just chaos, a lot of chaos. And um, he had brought all the Harry Potter books for him to sign, and then he would sell them for a bunch of money. Oh, um, that's... <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, apparently, like, he had been there, like, every night. He was, like, really weird so we were like at the barricade and me and my roommate um Sarah were like at this like front of the barricade like really like up close to it getting like pushed on uh, by people and everything and so um he comes to like talk to us and I was like oh my god like hi uh I think your work is so awesome I'd love to work with you one day like I'm a playwright and everything and he was like oh that's amazing like you know, and we got this like really cool picture with him and, and everything. So it's an iconic picture. Um, it's like- actually really like neat though, but he just plays in the most random things. And I really believe it's because he is a, such a great actor, but he probably made a fuck ton of money working like 
doing the Harry Potter movie. So now he has the option to just kind of work on what he wants to work on. And the most random movie, I went to go watch Scream the other night because Scream was filmed in my hometown. Um, <laughs> the, the most current one, which we can come back to in a second. But they had a trailer called The Lost City of D. And it's about Sandra Bullock, who's a romance writer. And she like meets like she has this like person that's like on her book cover and it's Channing Tatum and he's like that's not him at all but he's like that's me and so he she gets kidnapped by Daniel Radcliffe and then Channing Tatum's like I'm gonna come save you and then they throw a car off a cliff and then Brad Pitt saves them and he has like long hair but it's (laughs) also this man named Oscar Nunez was in the movie and I don't know if you know who this guy is but hold on I can Oh gosh, he plays in so many movies. And I'm sure if I tell you, he's this um, Cuban man. And if I tell you what movies he's played in, you'd probably know. Um, he played in a lot of shows too. Give me a second. I'm trying to find one that everybody knows about. Oh no, you're so good. That already sounds like it's like a uh, a kitchen sink of a whole like movie plot. It, it was so random. But you would know him if you saw him. He plays in the most random things doing most random things but he was in the italian job i don't know if you've ever seen it but he was like a security guard and he's also played in a few other things but yeah no it sounded i know him yeah you know who i'm talking about (laughs) yes okay okay yeah so anyway though back to scream like it was it was really cool they filmed it at this bowling alley that was in my neighborhood and not in my neighborhood it's like 30 minutes away from me but i used to go there as a kid all the time and yeah it was great that was a great movie that's awesome I love that (laughs) I love that so much yeah that's a that's I haven't seen it yet but um I've heard like good things I mean like it's supposed to be kind of what it is but I mean like yeah it like it apparently outshot Spider-Man in the theaters somehow but monetary wise I was like oh wow that's pretty cool (laughs) I didn't know it did that yeah that's like a big deal because Spider-Man was like also a really big deal uh yeah that's really interesting but it apparently like topped it or it was like the exact same but it's crazy because anybody who watches scream and nobody argue with me on this because they're objectively bad movies like if you look at them from far away they're very predictable that's like the whole point of slasher films i love horror movies but i love i love a good slasher film and this was a good slasher film <laughs> i really liked it um <laughs> But yeah, so Rachel, I had a question. What is the weather like in New Jersey? Because the weather here is like wet, gross. Ah, oh my gosh, it is crazy weather in New Jersey. I gotta say, um, that statement alone is kind of funny. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I so the past like week, um, it's just been really kind of mixed. Like some days we get like fifty degree weather, you know, close mm-hmm. degrees. But then, like, usually every, like, two to three days, we start getting, like, snow. Like, we've just randomly started getting snow. This you just randomly get snow? Yeah. So, like, even looking outside right now, it looks like it's, like, kind of sleeting a little bit. So, it's, like, kind of gross, icy snow and everything. That's pretty cool. There was never a time in my childhood where we just got, like, random snow. Because, like, like, North Carolina, and I think a lot of people are surprised to know this, especially if you live by the coast, like I do it's just like winter is wet it's just wet like that's it like in our our grounds get really gross and like disgusting and muddy but it consistently snows here like every three every three years pretty much ever since I've been a kid so we think it's gonna snow this year (laughs) because we're pretty firm on the idea that it's probably gonna snow like today or tomorrow and snowing I don't know what it's like in other places but like on the times that it's snowed here it hasn't even necessarily been super cold outside it has been like a right 30 degrees and then it has snowed every time and then the next day the following day is ridiculously cold for some reason but it's been like that ever since I was a kid because I used to ask my dad I was like dad it's like it's like 10 degrees out why is it snowing and he was like it just doesn't do that here and I was like okay that's mysterious, but okay. It's not how it works. <laughs> not <at all. laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's winter. It's winter, folks. <laughs> it's winter. It is winter. <laughs> so, but it's great. Uh, great weather for hanging out, listening to podcasts, drinking some coffee, some hot cocoa. 
some tea maybe we've got lots maybe like being in a blanket yeah like a little caterpillar for sure exactly yeah maybe a sleeping bag you <laughs> just zip yourself up <laughs> I hate sleeping bags I hate them so much because everyone I've ever had has been like a gross plastic material it hasn't been soft so I'm just sloshing around and it sounds like I'm in a plastic bag I hate it <laughs> camping yes camping like in your living room right for sure yeah I miss like I wish our living room was I wish my living room was bigger because I would totally like have a pillow fort and like invite my friends over and we could drink wine and have pillow fort. yeah yeah it's hard when you got like small spaces for sure yeah but you make like a pillow closet you know <laughs> oh my god that's actually a great point yeah. <laughs> we can just like we can just I always say this and I'm never serious about it but I'm like what if we could utilize our ceilings? Like, I don't know what we'd utilize them for, but if we could, we would have so much room. Like, I can't wait to have a hanging bed in my bedroom. I can't wait for that. It'll bring me so much happiness. Yeah, that's like, that's so cool. I've never, like, I've seen them before, but I've never, like, thought about getting one, you know? Because, I mean, I've, yeah, like, lived in, um other than, like, my parents' house. Like, I'm used to living in apartments where you, like, can't put anything on any walls including the ceiling Um, so but you'll have to keep us updated on that and uh tell us give us a little room tour or something (laughs) over Um, over audio of course you know (laughs) over audio yeah here's my bed and then here's my closet now of course you know where nothing is because there's no visual (laughs) (laughs) asmr i'm giving you a room tour (laughs) um so obviously um we are talking about the filibuster today and we're gonna be talking a lot about the recent the most recent filibuster which is a really hard topic to try and understand but many things within the government like especially the U.S. government is really hard to understand as we recently found out (laughs) Um, and that we are just trying to have a more healthy learning environment for many people because like I don't know about Rachel, but I know about when I went to high school, this was not stuff that I understood. When I was taking political science within college, this was not stuff I 100% understood. So we're trying to break it down in like an easier environment where people can go, okay, that makes sense. And that being a part of Gen Z, like in this day and age is really hard because it seems like just like nothing is set up for you. Everything is chaotic and everybody hates you for some reason which is really weird we like hated on the boomers one time and it feels like now we're the boomers i know really weird yeah you make one mention about the housing market and they just get so angry, get so angry. <laughs> um, i remember like my mom was like oh we're just waiting we want to we want to buy a house but we're just waiting for the housing market to crash and like somebody turned around and like at her job and she was like, it's not going to crash. <laughs> like they had like a 45 minute conversation about why it wasn't going to crash. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, like, uh, like Pauline was saying, I think that it's, it's really good to, um, to just sort of have conversations about like what's going on and try to make it a little less gatekeepy as I think um, education and public education can make it sometimes. So there's a lot to understand here and there's a lot of moving parts, but um, it's always good to slow down and take a breath and have someone to chat about it with. So y'all, we're here to chat about it. So the filibuster. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, the filibuster is essentially just a, it's a loose term that essentially means just a long time of debating a bill of stuff, like a resolution, an amendment, or just like a question in general. It is derived from a Dutch word called freebooter, which quite literally means taking a bill to death, which is very dramatic. Um, a senator can, a senator has the prompt unlimited debate over any bill or any law. Um, per, that's proposed by giving long speeches and otherwise wasting time within a session, preventing any other party from actually getting down to an imposed bill. So essentially, you know, they're just wasting time. 
Yeah, I feel like um, the filibuster feels like, to me, like it feels like the Senate equivalent of like petty drama. Like, you know, <laughs> um, like you're at one of your friend's birthdays and they're all, we're, you know, all just hanging out or whatever. And then like you look over and like someone's mad about the fight they're having with their almost boyfriend or girlfriend and they're like crying at the table while the cake comes out. It's like, damn, we got to address this again. We're just trying to have a good time. Um, but yeah, so it like never ends. It's like, never it, yeah, truly. It's like, damn, really going to ruin it again. Okay. So, yeah, so the filibuster, kind of like Pauline was saying, it's sort of like a just a way to kind of take time that would be taken up by actual debate and trying to find amendments or maybe changes to the bill even. Um, And essentially what usually happens is the minority party at the time in the Senate, because they have the minority party and then the majority party. But the minority party can kind of dig in their heels and sort of just prevent um, any movement from happening on the bill, which then, of course, prevents it from going to the president and getting passed and everything like that. So it's it's definitely a way to kind of hinder hinder either party or even like um, hinder a president or a presidential candidate from getting things done and everything. So. So, Rachel, I just wanted to verify um, and just double check that I was understanding everything correctly. The silent filibuster is it just where they just sit in silence until somebody gives up. Yeah, because when I was looking for it, it was essentially just saying where like the filibuster is just like a, it's completely unconstitutional um, and that real filibusters must never take place and that. Like the silent filibuster is a complete oxymoron because it looks like they just sit in silence. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the thing. We have the silent filibuster and the talking filibuster. The talking filibuster is like really hard. It's probably really hard to do. I've never done it before, so I can't really speak to that experience, but I would imagine it's probably really hard. Um, And that is sort of the filibuster that- Oh, since 1970, senators have been able to use the so-called silent filibuster, but it's any time of uh, more than 41 or like more senators um, simply like we'll just go, I'm going to do a filibuster. And then the Senate majority leader can refu- refuse to like vote. That's what it means, which is insane. Oh, my God. This is like the rules of monopoly. Right. It's like literally genuinely like the rules of monopoly. Um. We definitely doing our research for the filibuster found out a lot about how difficult it can be to kind of understand how our government works at like a face value, like without doing a lot more research. But yeah, that's why we kind of want to break down um, the Senate and like Congress a little bit for you guys. So we are going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, So first thing that we want to say with the filibuster is that it's there's going to seem like there's a lot of kind of unnecessary context here, but we promise it is all necessary. You wouldn't believe it. I don't know. Some of it's kind of unnecessary. The filibuster is unnecessary for sure. Uh, It is necessary for understanding the unnecessary. Most definitely. That was such a redundant statement. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, so the place where the filibuster sits is kind of really within the Senate, which is what we're going to talk about. But to understand like the Senate, even uh, we also have to talk a little bit about Congress. So um, the Senate and the House of Representatives are the two bodies in Congress and are what make up Congress. And Congress is essentially the legislative branch of the government. So we have the judiciary branch, which is like the Supreme Court and the court systems. We have the executive branch, which is um, president and VP and cabinet members and everything. And then we have the legislative branch, which is Congress, which is, again, the Senate and the House of Representatives. 
And so a really good uh, trick, good guidebook tidbit here. Um, the legislative branch is what makes laws. Um, and so you can kind of remember that by legislation, right, is like what laws and like amendments and bills are called um, a lot of the time. And so when you say um, legislation, legislative sounds very similar. Um, so that's a really good tip because that is not something that I ever thought about. <laughs> yeah. So it makes it like a little easier to remember. So um, the difference between the Senate and the House of Reps is that the House of Representatives is each of those, you know, members and representatives is from like a specific state, but each representative member of the House is going to have a different district of the state they're representing. So a different area, like um, depending on like the district, what have you, you'll have a different representative. Senate members are just for the states themselves. So they don't focus as much on districts as much as the whole of the state. And there's two of those per state. So overall in Congress, there are 100 senators, again, two from each state, and there are 435 voting members of the House of Reps. Um, And so the Senate's powers are approving presidential appointments So, you know, whether that's to the cabinet or just um, also confirming people, like if y'all have ever seen the news videos where it's like people swearing on on, uh, religious books or like the Bible um, and everything that is part of like the Senate and Congress um, and what they do. Uh, And they are also the Senate is um, often kind of the overseers of like different treaties between the United States and other parties. Um, They provide counsel to the president, whether they think it should be ratified or not. But there's two exceptions to that where the House has to approve the Senate's decision. And so that is when (laughs) the appointment of the uh, role or um, the presidential appointment, essentially, is um, the role of the vice president. So if, you know, something were to happen where Kamala Harris maybe could not be like VP anymore, or if she were to like pass away or something, then if they needed an appointment for the VP, that's when it would be ratified by the House of Reps. Um, Or if the treaty that needs to be ratified is um, within international second party, so like another country. So that's part of it. Um, But then now we're going to kind of go into bills and and how that works as well so i hope everyone's sticking with me it's okay if you're having a hard time staying with us yeah (laughs) yeah no it's it's definitely a lot so that is kind of the the environment we're kind of dealing with and playing with here now um when we're thinking about how laws are made again like this is the kind of branch of government where the laws are made right so theoretically and in a perfect world um senators or representatives from your state, you know, um, a lot of the times, you know, for local things, it can be a representative local to that district that gets contacted. Usually uh, what will happen is somebody from the state that they're living in will contact their representative or their senator um, and be like, hey, you know, I think this should, should be, you know, a thing. Um, and, you know, if they hear that again, or there's enough support for that, um, they might bring that up and try to introduce a bill um, or a law or something to kind of, um, you know, put that in place. But, um, and also, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, um, anyone who is a congressperson can introduce, um, like, legislation, uh, even if, it is a senator. Senators can also introduce them, but usually um, it is the House of Representatives that um, will come up with that. And so after a bill of, uh, is introduced, um, there's kind of a really intricate process it goes through in order to get passed. Um, and for this, I honestly, I'll be real, I had to refer back to the Schoolhouse Rock music video of Bill where he's like, I'm just a Bill. Um, might cut that in. We'll There's see. We'll nothing see. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let us know if you remember that. 
um, we would love to reminisce for sure. I think I feel like that's a Gen Z thing, just that video, honestly. Yeah, because like, or I guess like people, no, I guess that would still be Gen Z too. I wonder if they still play that in school. Like, I wonder what kind of videos they watch now. Yeah, I'd be interested. I'd be interested. I don't know, with the lack of teachers, they're probably not watching any videos. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's, that's that on that. That's we, T. We can't blame the teachers, though, because it's a terrible place to work. <laughs> not their fault. Not their fault. Uh, for anyone who is lacking a teacher, that's a good video to watch to get a really brief overview. So once those bills are introduced, um, they have to go to the appropriate committee, right? So another thing about Congress is that all of these members of Congress are in different um, committees or subcommittees. And so the committees and subcommittees are kind of there to give like a, a sort of range of topics that each of these bills, you know, may want to uh, go to. Um, so do they like brainstorm? That's like part of it for sure is, you know, like these committees, like say, you know, there's movement and transportation, right? Um, if there is maybe an issue with, uh, public transit in some place or some state or something, um, members of that committee could talk about it and maybe, um, you know, bring it up um, if it does become an issue at a federal level um, or someone who, uh, from that state, if it's like a state issue, um, could bring it up, uh, you know, in that in that committee if they're a part of it as well. But um, when, you know, legislation is introduced, if it comes from like a specific senator and it just is going through the process, I think that it, you know, it, it's interesting to see like, okay, these are the committees and this is what they have to do with. So um, it's, it's sort of like broader topics for the committees um, and then the subcommittees, mm -hmm. which are smaller, are usually more specific um, topics and everything within those broader topics. And so the committees can also be like altered or changed depending on what um, is, you know, kind of the, the climate and the vibe of uh, <laughs> the vibe. Uh, they're like, all right, what's the vibe? Vibe check. Do we need to change the committees? <laughs> it's like, we can't keep doing this, guys. Like, <laughs> it's really killing the vibe. But those bills will go through to these committees and um, in the committees and subcommittees, that is where these bills are first kind of debated. So, um, you know, people in Congress will just talk about them and, um, you know, debate them and pass them or veto them, depending. Um, they might, you know, just change it and say like, okay, like maybe we'll make these changes. We'll send us to the next committee and the bill will overgo those processes again and again um, until it gets through kind of all the committees that it ne needs to go through and everything. So it may be a lot like more radically changed by the time it does get to the Senate floor, but you know, it's kind of a case by case basis there. Um, and so once the bill does get to the Senate floor, which is finally um, where we are kind of concerned with today, um, it has to be voted on within another committee there. So is that what the filibuster has to do with it then? Yeah. So this is where the filibuster comes into play because uh, the bill getting to the Senate floor does not mean, um, unfortunately, that the debate uh, would be over at that point. Um, or not unfortunately, always. Sometimes fortunately, sometimes it is a good thing, but... Um, yeah, because in the, theory, talking about something is always good because, you know, communication is important. But in theory, it's great. The way it's been executed, not so much. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. And that's a great point because obviously, like, you need to have debate, you know, theoretically to have a democracy kind yeah. of run. Right. And we all have the right to debate each other and everything. So, you know. Um, and the Senate rule, part of the filibuster is kind of the Senate rule of like unlimited debate. So on the Senate floor, um, the bill is going to be debated again. Um, and after it's debated, it can then either pass or get vetoed. Um, but if it passes, uh, it would be by a simple majority. And so another um, quick key term 
simple majority, which is um, what these these kind of votes are, uh, for the House of Representatives, that would be 218 out of the 435 that are in the House. And then for the Senate, that would be 51 senators out of the 100. But um, that rule gets a little bit changed and uh, gets rocked a little bit <laughs> with the filibuster. So um, we, uh, we can talk about the filibuster now after all of that. <laughs> that was, a, that was yeah. a lot, though. So like, if you need to mm-hmm. take it in for a second. Something that is kind of off topic, just to give us a little eensy weensy little break, is that um, right now, currently, uh, the United States government is incredibly worried about Russia invading Ukraine. And if Russia does indeed invade, like, Ukraine, this could essentially be, like, a crap tornado. There are so many things that could just, like, go wrong. And they are very concerned that Ukraine is going to try and go to war. I mean, that Russia is going to try and go to like war with Ukraine, which I'm not really sure why. I think it mainly just has to do with that Ukraine was once upon a time part of Russia, and then it wasn't, and then it's now not, like, again, not. And I think they um, want Ukraine back. I think essentially that's, like, the equivalent of it. But I feel like, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong, so somebody please correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like a lot of times, like, I feel like growing up in middle school, Russia was always trying to go to war with somebody. I feel like that was a big thing. So mm-hmm. anyway, just food for thought. Yeah. Just, you know, news tidbits with Pauline and Ruth. Putin is a very scary man. I'm sorry. I'm looking at a photo of him and obviously like you guys can't see it, but that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> fear. No fear. Right. Now. <laughs> it looks like it's uh, I hope that everyone can vicariously feel the fear through my trembling voice. Um, really. I really are fine. Your triple um, voice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No good. Uh, news break for sure. So, um, I do know. Obviously, the filibuster. We're obviously we're reporting a little easy weasy late on it, kind of. But um, a few maybe like an hour ago at this point, an article came out saying that the Senate Republicans were denied um, the rules to change the filibuster, so they denied the motion, and. That means that they just tried to change the rules like the Democrats did, but it, it just wouldn't pass, mm-hmm. essentially. Right. So, um, yeah, the filibuster, um, the most recent news that we have had on the filibuster actually did, like Pauline said, come this morning. And the reason that those um, majority kind of rules and votes um, are important uh, specifically to the filibuster is just because um, the filibuster doesn't, you know, function by the simple majority vote. It's going to vote by um, the majority that we're about to talk about now. But the reason that the filibuster has kind of been in the news a lot, uh, like lately, and, you know, in December and the months before that as well, is because... Uh, there are two really huge landmark voting rights bills that are trying to go through that process of being passed in Congress uh, to then get to the president's desk, right? And so the filibuster has been changed before and, you know, been altered and everything. But um, right now, they're specifically trying to get that majority ruling uh altered and changed from 60 votes to uh, the 51 simple majority. And it sounds like a lot of the reason that they're trying to do that is so they can pass, obviously, the Freedom to Vote Act and then the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement. But I think also they might be trying to do it because, like, Joe Biden made a lot of promises when he went into office, as many presidents do. And I think he's really trying to stick true to them. But in order to do that, he has to obviously get things passed. And he's not been able to get things passed because it's Mm -hmm. pretty much been stopped every time. And I think if they change it from, like, you know, as you said, two thirds to 51 instead of 60, then they have a much better, like, increasing, like, chance to actually get it passed. But um, didn't you say cinema and was it McCallum? Oh, yeah. So um, Kristen Cinema. 
and Joe Manchin. Um, Manchin, I'm sorry. No, no, you're so good. I think there is there is somebody else by that last name in Congress, if I'm not mistaken, or there has been at some point. Um, either way, they all have the same names, honestly. Yeah, oh my goodness. But yeah, so the issue that came up this morning um, that we found out about <laughs> was that um, this, you know, change that they wanted to make with um, the filibuster having the simple majority voting rule, the kind of plan theoretically would be that, you know, okay, we're introducing this bill, right, to get the filibuster changed. Um, but it becomes a problem in this specific presidential landscape because um, the thing about Congress is that there is a majority party and a minority party. And so because we kind of run by the two party system, that's usually and has pretty much historically always been, um, not pretty much, it just is, uh, historically always been Republicans and Democrats. So there will be a party that is by numbers, the most prevalent party in Congress. So right now it's Democrats, but um, it's very, very close at this point. So um, the minority party is the Republicans at this point, um, and we have a Democratic executive branch um, president and everything. Uh, however, a few of those Democrats that are in Congress are really moderate Democrats or what I like to call closeted Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so like it's um, it's it becomes an issue because theoretically, in theory, you would count on all the Democratic um, Congress people and senators to vote towards um bills and legislation that a democratic president was issuing Um, because usually you would stand with your party but you know in theory that's usually how how they would think it would work i also cinema also she got in trouble with there was someone that she got in trouble with and i'm so sorry i read it on an article a little while ago but she's part of she was part of this like like it was like uh like it was like a group that was essentially for women who are democrats and they said if she kept constantly like backing republican views that they were going to remove her from their roster which was a bit insane to me and Mm -hmm. um also that like cinema the reason that she said that she wouldn't pass it was specifically because she she said that it was like it wasn't actually helping democracy is essentially what she said, like overall, which I thought was kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, that's something that, you know, we see a lot of like conservative politicians, they tend to kind of lead toward this ideology and like, you know, way of speaking where they talk a lot about just like being traditionalist and, um, you know, really promoting like preserving democracy and everything. And that's sort of like part of the, um, the other side of the argument really is that, you know, the filibuster is theoretically like part of like kind of checking and balancing power and everything, you know, part of like what, you know, Kristen Sinema is trying to maybe say um, and what, you know, Mitch McConnell or like, um, you know, other conservatives arguments have been um, is that, you know, it, it forces compromise and bipartisan, uh, what's the word, like bipartisan agreement and kind of working together and everything. And, you know, bipartisanism being both political parties would be working together. But it's funny, at least to me, you know, I feel like a lot of these conservative people that do really promote kind of like, oh, no, we should keep the filibuster. Like, you know, we need to have a way to constrain majority power and everything. And, um, you know, it it forces compromise. Uh, We can see definitely that it has not forced compromise as much as it's just forced, like, any movement to stop, really. Yeah. So as we've been talking about the filibuster and the House of Reps and the Senate and, like, just talking about everything, is that the reason that so many people are against the filibuster, especially Democrats, is because it has failed citizens so many times. It has lacked, like, the heart of democracy you could say with um there was a filibustering back like i a while ago that essentially it 
it didn't stop anti-lynching laws. They tried to put it in case, like in place. And it's also put a halt on like actually helping people of color. And it's like stopped civil rights issues so often that people are just like, why do we even have the filibuster? There was, like Pauline was saying, um, there's been a lot of historical use of the filibuster in order to stop and prevent and sort of discourage any um, specifically like civil rights laws and legislation being passed. Um, Among other things, you know, like there's definitely been um, other issues filibustered about. A lot of issues have been filibustered about. Like one example, um, on August 28th in the year 1957, um, it was actually a senator from South Carolina, funny enough, um, where Pauline is from. Oh, I'm (laughs) Um, actually from North Carolina, but in fact about, it's okay. It's easy to get the two confused. We're all a bunch of hillbillies. Um, I'm kidding. I'm not a hillbilly. There's also more absurd laws in North Carolina that like are incredibly random that we talked about when I was in high school but yeah they were so weird (laughs) well like we'll have to do an episode that's just about um like weird Weird state laws yeah weird state laws that can come but yeah so um got my states wrong but um South Carolina so in South Carolina um there was a senator by the name of Strom Thurmond and um he you I know that name is like so sounds so gross but he used the filibuster um, to try to stop the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1957. Um, and he actually filibustered for over 24 hours, folks. So this is 24 hours and 18 minutes that he just went for it. He was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna spend 24 hours of my life, which is limited, very limited um because he was old and it was the 50s so we know medicine was not as good as it was now and um it really just goes to show i think that like this is not a device like a political device that promotes and is like rooted in positive things or positive change yeah i actually i found another example Mm -hmm. so in 1964 the senate was in like a huge fight over the civil rights act after like a group of southern senators they set like a record like of filibustering but essentially the civil rights act was like almost not passed in 1964 and that's insane yeah and then there was, um, yeah, the one that you were talking about, I think, and were you talking about the one in 1954 or the one in 1957? I was talking about 57. But... Yeah, so that one was super difficult to enforce, so they had to bub- double back on 1964, and that one was almost, like, not pressed, um, which is insane. Um, at this point, you know, we have these two bills that are voting rights uh, legislation, trying to be passed through the government and everything. But we're seeing again, as we've seen historically, that uh, these two bills are being blocked specifically by the filibuster. Um, and it's, it's really awful to see, I think for sure. Um, because these two laws, you know, um, I think first of all, like, I just want to say John Lewis, like, landmark civil rights activist so amazing um and you know he's recently passed away too so i think like this you know bill even having his name on it like it feels like a big deal and like a really um just powerful powerful thing and you know when you look through all of these um these things that the these two pieces of legislation kind of talk about and you read through them and everything you can really see that the, you know, desire to expand voting rights and the kind of purpose of like, you know, okay, we need to have more transparency. We need to, uh, you know, make sure that we're not getting gerrymandered, that we're not being redlined. Like we want everyone to know, you know, where their politician that they're voting for um, or that they put in office, like where they got their money from, you know, all those things. Uh, these are all really positive things that we should want to see in a healthy democratic society. And uh, we 
you know, apparently against that, you know, like it yeah, doesn't. Which is super weird because the Freedom to Vote Act is like, and that's one of the acts that they were trying to pass, has to deal with like making Election Day a federal holiday. It also like states that people have to have voter identification because I don't know if you guys remember, but like during the Trump and like Biden election, so many people were faking identities and they were doing so many things that they weren't supposed to do. And they were even more, maybe not the smartest idea for them to do. They were going on social media and then talking about how they committed voter fraud. Um, It also allows voters to use ballot drop boxes. um, And then it has to deal with like nationwide vote by mail rules. And also there was something that happened back during the election when um, Joe Biden and Trump were running against each other, where there was somebody who like, I don't, I'm not exactly 100% sure what happened, but it had something to do with like the mail being slowed. Like, so mail was super slow to be picked up and actually go where it was supposed to go. And then um, it would allow people to vote and cast ballots at the same time. And then voter registration forms to also serve as absentee ballot applications. It required state provisional ballots. And then um, also third party, apparently this isn't a thing, which is not something that I knew. Third party groups are not allowed to give food and water to voters waiting in line. So this, the Freedom to Act, um, the Freedom to Vote Act would allow third party groups to do so. And then it would restore federal voting rights to felons once they're released from prisons, which is such an important thing because a lot of times people who have felonies, they have nonviolent felonies. Mm -hmm. So like somebody who like goes to jail over stealing like a lot of food, why shouldn't they have the right to vote? Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't make sense. They still live here. Once you're out of jail, you're still working. You're still paying like taxes. You should be like, it's almost dehumanized and they should still be allowed to do things. Right. Yeah, I think um, especially because, you know, voting is such an important part of um, democracy in general. And like voting is something that, you know, is very just, I think, specific also to like American culture. Like it's like, you know, you want to make sure you're registered to vote. You want to like, you know, be promoting that Um, because honestly, that's how our elected officials come into office. So you know, it's, we want to have full transparency and know that, you know, we are, as the population, and I think specifically as young people, we can speak to this, like, knowing that, because with all these, you know, older, older people and um, older officials, um, and officials that don't necessarily understand the current climate and the current direction of, like, where we're going as a country, like, I think that it is really important for us to know and be at least like semi-solid in the fact that like, okay, um, you know, this is what we want. This is who we're voting for. And like knowing all those things, knowing it's transparent, knowing that like, uh, you know, everybody who should be voting and has a right to vote, which is everyone, um, is getting that right to vote uh, and everything like that. So these are all really, really important things that you would think, um, you know, our elected officials who are supposed to be pr- uh, promoting and protecting and preserving democracy, that they would want to see it. But because they're not, <laughs> and because of um, sort of the nature of, you know, why they're, you know, debating it the way they are and going the route of the filibuster, it seems as though they're just kind of hesitant to get it passed sort of at all. Like, and you wonder like, okay, is the motivation because like, just because it's a Democrat, because obviously we've heard sentiments from, you know, people like Mitch McConnell, like he said that he's going to be like the quote unquote grim reaper of progressive legislation. So like you hear these sentiments of people making it a goal to kind of stop um, any progress just because it's coming from a certain side. And, um, that's just like, I don't know, it's so silly and petty and it's like reality TV vibes, but it's like, there's so much more at stake, you know? (laughs) So essentially like, yeah, like as Rachel was saying, a lot of these, like the freedom to vote act and the John Lewis, um, voting act, 
it is supposed to like allow for like a more progressive way to vote. And I, for one, believe that it should. And people are saying that like Republicans are essentially saying from claims of voter fraud in 2020 that it it is okay to have restrictive voting bills from Florida, the Texas, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really not because what is having restrictive bills going to really do for you? Like, and not just that, it, like, the whole reason that a lot of these, that the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Act were put into place or like that they want to be able to pass is it's supposed to encourage a lot of people of color to want to vote and just like marginalized groups. And it doesn't help that like Republicans are constantly viewed and conservatives are constantly viewed as people who like don't actually like marginalized groups and they're constantly targeting marginalized groups. Like this is just not, it's not good for them and it makes them look very bad. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And yeah, just, and also it seems like that's really the only like huge, like real reason. Oh, also a lot of Republicans believe that Joe Biden being president was not fair. Mm -hmm. And that, so quote unquote from Senator Lindsey Graham, she said, if Republicans don't challenge the US election system, they will never be elected Republican president ever again. So it's almost like if they allow for these two acts to be passed, that they'll somehow, there will never be a Republican president again, but they're missing the big picture because it shouldn't be about that. And they're thinking a lot about themselves and it should be about what is good for your country. And realistically, progressive change is good for your country because going backwards is never good for anybody. The only thing that you can constantly do is go forwards. Yeah, I think that like, um, honestly, that is some straight bars, like wisdom. I love that um, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's just sort of like, it's silly. but also, side note, Lindsey Graham, senator uh, of South Carolina, is actually a uh, guy, as far as I know. Um, so it's interesting because he, like, I don't know, he, he's one of those people who you're like, oh, he definitely, like, doesn't believe that there's more than two genders, but also, like, his name is Lindsey, like, just 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 some some you know brain brain snacks um super thought but um lindsey graham aside um i i totally agree i think that like it just um it it sort of is a slap in the face i think to to a lot of um a lot of folks who just want to see things get done um but arguably you know you could say like it's interesting that Republicans don't really at this moment at least seem to see the other side of it where like okay like what happens when we're not in you know like a major you know um in a minority like when we are the majority and it's like the minority is filibustering against us like like obviously everybody knows that or at least if you're trying to actively educate yourself you know that like people of color have always had to fight for like a space here And unless you actually believe that somehow people of color and women and younger people are somehow like lesser, then you will know that they are fighting for a good reason and that they actually want to help their country. And believe it or not, doing things like restricting voting rights to help your citizens is not going to help your country. It's going to make it worse. And it's so sad to see them because like you just... Like, you want to speak up for your country. You want people to listen to you. And, like, the bare minimum, like, I mean, yeah, you can call your senator and you can demand change. That is something that people can do. And it has worked in the past. It actually helped a few cases. But, I mean, that's all really, like, bare minimum that you can do to try and get your senator to listen to you is keep calling their office and go, I want you to pass the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Act. Because people have been doing that and they've been doing that and they've been trying to get people to listen. And it's like, feels like we're just never listened to. And it's really sad. Right. No, I agree. I, um, and yeah, I think that like, obviously, um, you know, we always like will encourage all of our listeners. And I mean, like, I always encourage really anybody I know, um, (laughs) you know, if there is something that you feel strongly about or there's like an emergency case or something, 
um, a lot of times to like, you know, granting uh, clemency or like taking people off death row and stuff. That a lot of the time will involve like outreach and calling your senator, calling your representative. Um, and we always encourage people to do that. Um, but I think also I totally hear what Paulina is saying because there's such a frustration and it just makes me so upset. Like, yes, obviously, like there's so much value um, in being active in, you know, your political landscape, your political community. And, you know, always like always, 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 you know, double check your voter registration. Um, always make sure you're registered to vote, you know. And if you're not like go get registered to vote for sure as well. But it's difficult because even, you know, when we are doing all those things and, you know, you're double checking your, you know, all your credentials, you're making sure you can vote, you know, you're doing everything you need to, um, you can still run into these voter suppression laws. Like people, you know, will have their, their registrations like purged and just removed from the systems. And um, that's another part of what these bills are trying to protect and cover, um, so you have issues with voting, but then you also, even when you are politically active and engaged and you're doing, you know, what they're, they encourage us to do theoretically. Um, but at the same time, there's still this absolute, like, okay, like this is just a roadblock. Like this is going to be really difficult to get around, um, that comes into play with the filibuster. Uh, so, you know, that's why it's, uh, it's such a hot topic, I think, at the moment, because especially moving into the future, I think that, you know, the 2020 election, voter fraud and um, just voter rights were such a huge issue being discussed. Um, and, you know, part of that probably being the pandemic and mail-in voting and and everything. And, you know, I definitely do remember there was a lot of issues with the mail, too, and like the the federal mail system and and everything. So, it's uh, it's definitely, I think, an important issue that that yeah, everyone should um, know about. But it's very hard to learn about. So. Yeah, it's not it's not like anybody makes it easier. Like a lot of people don't even know what like cloture is, and cloture is used to like close the debate. Like it's essentially like it it's what triggers the end, and it requires like this is the sixty vote part, and it essentially requires the Senate rule to vote three fifths absent but like how many people even know what cloture is like we didn't right. know about it until we were researching it and right. it's not something that's like necessarily like a hundred percent important but it's like you didn't know about it and it has to deal with this and it's like it's like trying to put together like I mean like a bookshelf and then you're missing one tiny cog because there's so many cogs that are missing from these websites when you're trying to find out things and it's like what does this mean I'm so confused and you just I don't know. It's it, they don't make it easy for you to learn about it, especially as an American citizen. And a lot of times, when like these, when you're when everything gets messed up with your voting registration, it makes you feel like you're somehow targeted, and it makes you feel sad, and it makes you feel like, well, if this was messed up, why do I need to try again? Like, why do I need to go and try and pursue it again? Because obviously, I didn't need to vote. Like. If my voting registration was out and it was suddenly purged and that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to navigate for sure. And cloture, you know, the, um, the cloture rule that you need two thirds of the vote of the Senate. So that would be 60 senators rather than 51 is it can be really tricky to get around in circumstances like the one we're in now uh, with, you know, moderate Democrats and, um, you know, playing to the Republican side a little bit and Republicans obviously just voting against anything that would be Democratic um, and Democrats often doing the same. So it, it just, yeah. um, and part of it, I think it's also, I will say the two party system, I think like that also just feeds into it. For like sure. I don't, the first president of the United States said, yo, that two party system, bad idea. When I'm dead, don't you do that shit. And what <laughs> did we do? We did it. Like, are we, are you stupid? But it's also kind of just like, I don't, I don't, I, I have such a, like when you're in high school or when you're in school and you're something that's just not clicking for you. You look over at your classmate who's doing really good and you're like, I'm going to try something similar to that. Not quite that, but something similar. So instead of the United States doing that, they're looking at like 
the, the, the bad classmate who has really bad grades and going, I'm going to try something like that. And then they get a D and they're flabbergasted. They're like, how did I get a D? How did, this doesn't make any sense. I demand a request. I demand to try again. Like literally. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that sort of vibe the, I, and I think like the two party system, obviously like we'll probably do a whole episode on that alone. I imagine. Um, and yeah. issues with that but the filibuster you know with this like closure rule and everything and the two-party system and having this kind of idea of like just being against each other and being inherently like separate and conflicting it definitely does not make getting those two-thirds of a vote like any easier so it really does as the word would uh imply take those bills to the grave almost all of the time for sure so but um yeah I think um you know having talked about all of this like it's hard to come up with um a a solid like quote-unquote solution we always want to um you know be kind of coming up with like future-minded solutions and we want to obviously like encourage everyone to do the same um you know we want to think about the future because obviously like we as young people, I think, and I think like all young people, um, have a like a really solid, you know, view of the world most of the time. And we see things for, for how they are, like through our experience. And so like, we oftentimes will know best how to change the world around us. And obviously there's not like a whole lot that, you know, we as not Congress people can do and yeah there's not like a huge difference we can make the biggest thing you could probably do is call your senators yeah I think like um definitely we will always tell you to do that um so if you you know are curious about um who your senator is or who your house of representatives member is um there's actually a website that you can go to um, where you can, you know, look up your specific representative so you can contact them um, and everything and, you know, um, just advocate for what you want to see and what you think is important. Um, so, yeah. And that is house.gov. Just so everybody knows. House.gov. Thank you, Pauline. And if you want to find your U.S. congressperson, um, then you would go to congress.gov. But you can go to both of those things. And I know that some of you might leave a message and go, Oh, I'll just talk to their assistant. Yeah, and their assistant will report back enough if they get angry enough. <laughs> Coming from somebody who is an assistant, on, they will report back. Honestly, if you complain enough about something, it's it can be a really good way to get it done. Um, so, you know, even like encouraging your friends, like if there's, um, you know, something going on and you feel really strongly about it, like repost it on your socials, um, you know, or like send an email. Oh, Yeah. Or even like you could just come up with one and just mass email it. Yeah, that's true. That's true as well. So um, we definitely encourage everybody to always um, stay active, stay vigilant with things like that. And in terms of the filibuster, that's kind of like um, a really good thing that you can do. So, and the other thing I think that we can do so important to um, stay involved uh, you know, be active in activism, if that's something that is available to you, and reasonable and healthy for you to do, and just talk about it, discuss, and, you know, always be open to conversation with people, even people who maybe don't think the same thing as us, um, because that's a good way to change their minds. Yeah, sometimes maybe they just don't understand something, because, um, like I have met tons of people in my life who I have been able to change their opinions about things. Like one of them being like my adopted dad, he just didn't know some things. And I was able to show him something and be like, Hey, like, this is how this works. Like, I don't want you, like you're, you're just saying, you just literally don't understand things because you've been miseducated. And I educated him and he was just like, well, you're right. And now we live Handy dandy. With that being said, don't stay with your racist boyfriend. Don't do that. <laughs> it's different yes. when it's family. <laughs> it's very different. Also that, yeah. Um, he's he's not worth it. He's oh, not worth it. Speaking from someone that. who's done it, it's not worth it. I promise you. 
it's going to end bad. Well, you know, um, it's, yeah, that's, that's the best, honestly, recommendation we can give you. Don't uh, stay with your. However, I, we hope that you tune in with us next week because um, we have filmed this episode in January. So keep that in mind, but we are releasing it the first week of February. And after, you know, that we plan on releasing an episode about influential um, historical figures that had a huge part to play within the civil rights movement, but we plan on talking about some people who were put on the back burner and are not as notable as Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. We do, however, also plan on talking about them as well, though. Yes, of course, of course. Um, yeah, because uh, February, of course, is um, Black History Month, African American History Month, and of course, we want to, you know, touch on a lot of topics about that. So that's going to be a lot of our um, February content that's going to be coming up and everything. So learning and educating and doing the best we can, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the T, and that is the T. <laughs> So, um, yeah, with that being said, I think that um, we can probably close out this very complex, layered episode. <laughs> and yeah, definitely good chat. Um, and I hope that everybody is a little bit more educated on the filibuster now. So a uh, quick reminder, of course, to again, um, subscribe yeah. to the podcast and, you know, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are Gen Z's guide to politics on Instagram, same as our podcast name, of course. And we look forward to hearing from you all and getting your feedback. All right, besties. Hope to see you next time. Bye.